We love to fly and it shows. No, in fact, we're crazy about flying. Hi, I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, I know this will uh, shock many people among us, and especially Bill, who uh, is a pilot, but I saw this headline in the Washington Post and I had to read the story. The headline said, 5,000 pilots suspected of hiding major health issues. Most are still flying. And when they say major health issues, issues these are largely mental health issues. Here's the story. Uh, last year, the FAA started spending some $3.6 million a year that it had allocated to review the licenses of some 4,800 pilots. And what they found was that there were significant numbers of pilots who were veterans who had claimed VA benefits, specifically in many cases regarding mental health uh, or other serious conditions, um, while also claiming to the FAA uh, on their medical applications that they were perfectly healthy and good to fly. Now, I'm sure Bill knows a lot more about this than I do, but I thought there were uh, several interesting things about this. And Steve, I'll start with you since I know that uh, that Bill's going to have to back clean up on this. Um, there were a, a couple of things that I noticed as I got down into the story. First of all, headline, 5,000 pilots suspected of hiding major health issues. I'm picturing zaniness in the friendly skies. You know, up there, there's all these airline pilots and they're, so they're like all, mash, all having problems. Right. Well, and, and, and then you start off reading the story and it says that they find that uh, some 4,800 pilots might have submitted incorrect or false information as part of their medical applications. Then you read further and you find out that the FAA has already closed about half of those cases and suspended, at least temporarily on an emergency basis, some 60 pilots, okay? Then you read a little further and it says, well, about 600 of the 4,800 pilots were licensed for passenger airlines, so then the rest of those were mostly charter, cargo, corporate, tour pilots, and things like that. Um, it turns out the FAA relies on aviators to self-report conditions like post-traumatic stress disorder and, uh, and depression. And apparently, Steve, uh, pilots like to fly and maybe uh, less than forthcoming, at least according to this information, if they have some of these conditions. But pilots who were veterans also like to get compensation from the VA for conditions that require treatment. Um, does any of this concern you so far? Um, well, let me let me tell you a little story and see if we can't figure something out here. Because I, I I learned a few years ago something about uh, uh, mental health issues in the Air Force. Uh, my wife grew up a, an Air Force brat, and one of her best friends from uh, the growing up on Air Force bases in uh, all over Europe, which is how she spent most of her childhood, um, went on to become a, uh, an Air Force wife herself. And her husband uh, flew F-16s for a while. He's now a two-star general, so he hasn't flown in, in quite a while. And he's one of the good guys, okay? This isn't a guy who got a couple of stars on his shoulder because he's uh, Mr. Political Weasel Guy. He is a, he is a war fighter. Um, who was a little pissed off, frankly, when his uh, he and his unit got switched over from uh, from F-16s, which he just he loved flying Vipers, to uh, to drones. And I I believe uh, he was commanding a, a Reaper squadron, and I know he was he was commanding them out of uh, uh, Nellis outside of Las Vegas. And at first, he was just really not happy with what he considered to be a, a demotion from flying jets to commanding a 
a, a, a drone squadron. But uh, he was able to, to to really make a difference because he was finding out that his drone pilots were not well in a lot of cases. Uh, uh, they were having some some genuine emotional issues. And what he found out during his investigation is, uh, let's say you're a F-16 pilot flying out of Bagram in Afghanistan. You know, you you, you loiter, you get a command to, to, to drop a bomb on some bad guys, you drop a bomb on some bad guys, you, you, you fly back, and um, it's stressful. It's it Even though you're not getting shot at, it's still a combat mission. You're still killing people, even if they're bad guys. And afterwards, pilots would, would go out and, you know, get drunk like pilots do, blow off steam, a little camaraderie and all that stuff. Um, it was, in a way, worse for the for the drone pilots in Las Vegas. They're half a world away. They're, they're not even in the air. They're, they're in air-conditioned comfort on the ground. But um, it's still stressful killing people, even when you're doing it by yeah. remote control. And instead of going out with their, their friends at the end of a mission, they would go home to their families at the end of a work day and pretend like nothing had happened at work that day because this is not dinner table conversation. Oh, I blew up a bunch of jihadis. And so not only were they not getting that, but there was sort of a survivor guilt they were also experiencing because they weren't in any danger, but they still felt terrible about what they had to do. And as I said, this is these are all the things that, that Julian discovered. And so he's one of the guys that helped put systems in place because the solution wasn't to, to ground these drone pilots. The, the, the solution was to get them the help they needed to continue on in the mission and, and do their jobs, but with the help they needed. And I can't help but the same, think but the same is true for, uh, for civilian pilots, whether they're in civilian aviation or cargo planes or, or whatever, or commercial aviation, cargo planes, whatever it is, um, because the solution isn't to ground these guys. We don't have enough pilots as it is. The solution is to put the systems in place to get them whatever help it is they need, because uh, I want the best damn pilot, right? Bill, I'm sure Bill will have something to say about this. Um, but I can't help but think that when I see explosive headlines like this one, and I, I, I try not to be paranoid, but the last few years of just, you know, I'm putting on the tinfoil hat every night, um, <laughs> is is that there's they're just trying to ground the country. They don't want us driving our own cars. They don't want us flying around at will. So if we can just eliminate the number of pilots, we can reduce the number of flights and keep these stupid proles locked up in their dark homes eating the bugs. Now, Bill Whittle, in the past, you've spoken in a laudatory manner about the FAA and what an effective job that they have done <laughs> over the years in um, reducing, or at least the national, high, what was it, the, the NTSB? National Transportation NTSB. Safety Board. So maybe, That's an entirely okay, different so animal. Different, okay, good. Well, then I won't preface this question that way. Um, but, you know, what I see here is an interesting phenomenon because basically you have got two government agencies. You've got the mm -hmm. FAA and you've got the VA. And in order to get um, licensed to fly or to get recertified to fly, um, you have to meet a certain health standard with the FAA. In order to get compensation for your medical expenses, uh, you have to meet certain uh, negative health benchmarks with the VA. And, and these are people who, if they were not flying, uh, might be in much worse circumstances because they would lack a purpose that they uh, and they would lack the ability to do the thing that they love. What, what are your and thoughts on this as, as a pilot or as someone who has been a pilot? 
Well, first of all, I don't know what the number of uh, pilots who, who inaccurately self-report on the FAA medicals that they have to take, but I'd be willing to bet you the number that that lie about their conditions on the medicals, probably around 94%, somewhere in that general vicinity. Um, and this is because you're dealing with um, a government. Uh, I made the mistake during my, – my medical certificate had to be renewed every two years. Uh, and I made the mistake of reporting that I'd had kidney stones in between one of these medicals and the other uh, because I was an honest guy. And I just said, yeah, tick that box. Well, uh, no medical for me. Um, report goes to the FAA. I'm grounded because the medical's expired. Can't fly without a, a, a current medical. Two and a half months after uh, ticking the box, two and a half months after ticking the box, I get a letter saying that I need to provide evidence that I'm no longer um, – carrying kidney stones that could just, you know, debilitate me in flight. So now I have to go down and have an echo, uh, sonic, you know, sonogram of the, of the, the kidneys and have to have pictures of that taken. The doctor has to sign something. I send it back to the government. Two and a half, three months later, I still haven't heard a response. And, and I think this was the only time in my life ever, and I felt awful about it. I really did. I think it's the only time in my life ever where I pulled a string, you know. I, I called a guy who I know who's, who's, um, who's very big in the aviation community, and he's knows all these top FAA guys. And I said, I'm sitting here for five and a half months on the ground now because I told the truth about a one-time event. I provided the evidence that it doesn't happen. And and is there anything you could do to just, you know, have expedite this? And five days later, I get my medical back. And I felt bad about that because I, I feel like I cut in line from a bunch of other pilots who are sitting there waiting for six months or a year to get an answer back from the government about being honest on the, on the medical re uh, report. Now, the thing that really is the operational um, uh, thing to understand here, Scott, is that um, there are three different types of medicals and there are three, essentially three different types of, of pilot licenses. The general aviation pilots are not allowed to charge money. They're not allowed to carry passengers for money. They basically can take friends up for a ride. They have a their their medical is not required as often as an airline pilot is, but they still have to make the same reporting things and 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 any kind of medication that would disqualify an airline pilot would also disqualify a general aviation pilot. And the reason that this is important is because you have to grade the risk of piloting capacitation. The yeah. the potential damage caused by a pilot losing the ability to fly a Cessna 172 is very different than the potential damage caused by a pilot losing the ability to fly a 747. But they don't make different allowances for that. This is a one-size-fit-all thing. It's like the speed limit. Speed limit on the highway is determined to be the maximum speed that the worst driver in the worst-maintained car can maintain safely. And in between the airline transport pilot and the general uh, aviation pilot is the commercial pilot who who can fly passengers for money but cannot be part of regular passenger service so anybody who's not flying for money should be given a much wider berth on these things and and also the faa needs to update its its entire database people i'm virtually positive that prozac is disqualifying prozac has been prescribed for 40 years now and has an astonishing record of not only not making pilots more dangerous, but making them much, much safer. None of this stuff is caught up with the government yet. Now, the thing that really matters and where, where this is a, a legitimate concern is in airline transport pilots. And in that particular case, these guys have to get a, a, a physical every six months. I still think they need to update their database. And 
And I think it is, I think it is inevitable that when the response time for doing things the right way is equivalent to having your license suspended versus deciding not to check that box and continuing to be able to do your job, which you've been doing for 40 years without any uh, incapacitation or, or any sign of any kind of trouble at all, then that decision forces normally honest people like me to not be honest in the future. Because I'll tell you one thing, when I went for the next medical and it, and it said, you ever had kidney stones? Nope, I have not. No, I have not. So this problem that they're making it into a problem is not so much a problem. Pilots are well aware. I think they're probably the most professional and safety-minded people I've ever met. And I've never known a pilot who, who, who flew when he knew he was incapacitated or likely to be. And, and the result of this will be if you ground 6,000 pilots on a technicality, on a bureaucratic technicality, then you are going to have to replace them with 6,000 pilots who are not as good at flying airplanes as the 6,000 pilots you've just grounded. And we're seeing this already. Uh, we're, seeing diversity hand, we're seeing diversity quotas for hiring pilots. The Air Force has come out, officers in the Air Force have come out and said, we're just not taking any more white fighter pilots. Well, 94, 95% of your applicants are going to be white males uh, when it comes to the fighter pilot business. So if you're saying that politically you're going to cut 19 out of 20 of your potential um, candidates, then that doesn't mean that the one out of 20 that's getting through your uh, diversity standards isn't any good. But it does mean that the pool of talent that you can draw from is much, much smaller. And this is what happens when you politicize all this stuff. So if the government reacted reasonably quickly, then you wouldn't have this problem. If the government updated its rules on medications predicated on actual data, then you wouldn't have this problem. And if the government wasn't so obsessed about political concerns, then you also wouldn't have this problem. So fly the, um, you know, fly the, uh, the uh, CEI skies or whatever, <laughs> diversity, inclusion, airlines, whatever. Diversity airlines, we have the most diverse pilot fleet in the country. Sign me out. Well, you know, there are several things about this uh, this whole story, lessons that I took away from it. From it. Um, number one is never just believe the headline. Um, always read the whole story. And number two is read. Um, because if this same story had been reported on radio or television, it would have been much more brief. They would have only hit the high points. It would have just been kind of the scary headline of 5,000 pilots are still flying with some sort of medical problems. And you would have left thinking that 5,000 major airline passenger pilots have major problems and are up there in the air right now in planes that could come down at any second. I'm exaggerating for effect. But really, that's that's the impression that the headline writer wanted to give you. They didn't write a headline that said, in a review of 5,000 pilots, 60 were grounded. <laughs> so they didn't review all pilots, but they reviewed 5,000 pilots. 60 were grounded temporarily on an emergency basis until they got further clarification about their conditions. Only 600 of the pilots out of the 5,000 were actually passenger airline pilots. So anyway, there's just details missing. So it's better to read the news than to watch or listen to it. It's better to read to the bottom of the story than just to skim or just to look at the headline. And then it was this headline that I thought just illustrated the difficulty. I, I almost said, I wrote a note to myself that uh, under the headline, why government can't run anything. Uh, but that may be a little too harsh. Um, 
although I, I would be glad to take that position in any kind of debate. But uh, really, <laughs> it here's the quote that got me. Many veterans, uh, military veterans, minimize their ailments to the FAA so they can keep flying, but exaggerate them to the VA to maximize their disability payments. And that's why government can't do anything, because people are acting in their best interest. And when government tries to regulate and control things and dole out licenses for various things, uh, they're going to run into humanity and the broken nature of humanity. Any sensible person will make the, the decision to say, you know what? I've, I have had to get psychological treatment. I have had to take some medications. I have kidney stones. I have whatever the situation may be. Um, and I, the VA, I want the VA to cover the cost of that. I served my country. Uh, that same person may turn around and say, I love to fly. It is my life. It is my livelihood. It is my enjoyment. And I'm not going to tell some remote government agency that I have some ridiculous little problem that will, you know, mean something to them, but doesn't really affect my daily operational abilities. And so you basically put people in a position of being in conflict with their personal interests and drives because you've got government making them answer these things in advance. Now, I think it's something different if you say, hey, if you are on medication that impairs you and you fly in an airplane and we find out about this or we or we find out that you're act, you're about to get in an airplane and you're acting in an impaired manner, um, then that should be prosecutable. That should be something where you would lose your certification, maybe lose your license, maybe never be able to have one again. Um, but to, an to anticipate things that might happen to people who have conditions that could be impairing um, and then treat them all the same way, I think doesn't make any sense. And you're basically inviting people to be dishonest. In a perfect world, Nobody would be dishonest. That world is not here. <laughs> and so this is one of the reasons why government can't do what government thinks it can do. Um, anyway, it's just another one of many stories. I mean, last week we did one about what's happening with electric cars because of the fact that the, you know, the Chinese government and in growing uh to a growing extent, the U.S. government is putting mandates and subsidies into play to try to advance these uh, electric vehicles. Well, the same things happen here. The federal government thinks it can ensure safety in the air by spending $3.6 million and trying to catch people in a lie. And surprise, surprise, people are lying so they can keep their livelihood. Um, I, I think if you're a pilot and you're impaired in some way, you need to self-report accurately. Will you do that, given that it's your whole life? Unlikely. If you're caught in the act, I think you should be busted. But I don't think we should treat people as criminals who have not yet committed a crime. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.